You're listening to the Burn Youth Podcast. We hope this message encourages and challenges you to live for Jesus. Let's get into it. The title of my message tonight is this, Radical Jesus. Radical Jesus. Now I've got two subtitles for you. Oh yeah, I'd like some water. Thanks, Ethan. Put your hands together for Ethan. It's too cold. (laughs) All right, what was the title of my message? It's behind me. All right. Okay, I've got two subtitles for you. That's all right. It's just water. That's why we only bring water into the auditorium. <laughs> I got two subtitles for you. So if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, write down Radical Jesus and then leave two lines for two subtitles because there's so many titles to this sermon. Title number two is this Nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. And the third title is this. From the roots up. So you got radical Jesus, nothing but leaves, and from the roots up. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you, God. And Lord, at the start of term three, we just want to declare, we just want to say that that we belong to you, Lord. And we're here for you. We're here for your glory, not for our own. We're not chasing anything else. Lord, we're here for you, Lord. And Lord, we pray that as we come to youth this term, as we seek your face, as we seek your presence, that, that we encounter you for real this term, Lord, that we learn so much from you and we grow in our relationship with you, God. We love you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that tonight that uh, the words that you speak through me just hit people in their heart and that everyone is radically transformed in your name, Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. Isaac, can you take this water bottle down with you? <laughs> Thanks, boy. Hey, we're going to jump to the book, Mark. I said Mark, chapter 11, 12 to 14. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. I wonder if your idea of Jesus was based on that old song that my nana used to sing to me. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this precious child. Pity my simplicity, soft for thee to come to thee. Amen. You can applaud now. Thank you. I wonder if your idea of Jesus is gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This placid, Passive Jesus, that's all mamby-pamby, all wussy, 
Well, I'm going to confront that idea a little bit tonight. Because this is a story you probably have not heard. Just to recap, Jesus and his disciples, they're walking along. They see a fig tree that is beautiful. It's covered in beautiful green leaves. It looks healthy. It should be producing fruit. Jesus walks over to the tree to inspect it. He looks through the branches. He looks through the leaves. And what does he find? Nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. And Jesus gets so mad at the tree that he yells at it and he curses the tree. Oh my gosh, Jesus, I thought you were meant to be gentle, Jesus. I thought you were meant to be polite and gracious and kind. But you, where are your manners, Jesus? You're cursing a tree. Like you could, like if you're going to curse anyone, curse, you know, curse, uh, I don't know, the bully at school or like your teacher who gave you a bad grade or like, I don't know. But you're cursing a tree? Like the tree can't fight you back, Jesus. Why are you cursing this tree? Hands up if you've heard of this story before. Has anyone heard of this story? Oh, some of the leaders. Yeah, the leaders. Okay, well, great. This is news to you guys. This is news to you. So I was reading the story and I was thinking, Jesus, why did you curse this tree? Why, why did you get angry and yell at this tree? Well, let me put it this way. It's like when you get up for breakfast in the morning and you go to the pantry and you know that your favorite cereal, maybe like Milo's cereal or Nutri-Grain or Fruit Loops, anyone, right? You know your favorite cereal is there, right? So you go for the Fruit Loops box and you open it. It's got beautiful packaging on the outside. It looks so delicious. Toucan Sam is there and he's just like smiling at you and you're just so ready to eat. Uh, Toucan Sam up the back on the sound desk here. <laughs> and, and you open the box of Fruit Loops and you look in the little plastic bag and there's nothing but Fruit Loop dust. Right? Right? Is it, can anyone here appreciate where I'm coming from? Right. So this is Jesus, right? Like it, it doesn't matter how good the Fruit Loops box looks on the outside. It doesn't matter like how great the graphic design is on the outside, how pretty the colors are. If you open the box and there's just dust on the inside, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Uh, uh, dare I say mad, like Jesus was here. See, Jesus was mad at the fig tree because it appeared to be fruitful. It appeared to be healthy. But when he came over and he peeked through the branches, when he peeked through the exterior leaves, he saw the internal and he saw that there was no fruit. There was nothing but leaves. Someone say nothing but leaves. How many of you know tonight that you can look good on the outside but be dead on the inside? How many of you know that you can seem to have it all together on the outside but be a hollow shell of your former self on the inside? You can look healthy on the outside, but be dying on the inside. You can have it all. You can have the world on the outside, but be soulless on the inside. Young person, hear me. Jesus is coming over to your tree. Jesus is coming to your tree. What will he find? He's attracted by your leaves. He's attracted by that external thing that you put up. He loves you. He loves the way you look. But when he comes over and he peeks through the leaves and the branches, is he going to find fruit of a life well spent? Is he going to find fruit of a life chasing after God? Or is he going to find fruit loop dust or nothing but leaves? See, I, I don't want to get so caught up with the external things, the surface level things, that I spend more time generating leaves than I do producing fruit. Yeah. 
<laughs> fruit Loops. Here's another truth. You can't, go, you can't grow fruit by focusing on leaves. You can't grow as a Christian. This is, what, this is what I mean. You can't grow as a Christian by just focusing on external things. Behavior, how you talk, how you walk. Uh, if you do these checklist things to make you a Christian. You can't grow as a Christian just by focusing on the leaves. You need to focus on producing fruit. We need to go deeper. How many of you are sick and tired of a surface level, kiddie pool Christianity where, where every week you're coming out and you're like, oh Lord, I've sinned again. I feel so far from you, Lord. I can't hear your voice, Lord. Yo, and, and you're responding to the same salvation altar call every single week because you haven't moved past this surface level stuff. You haven't moved past the leaves and got to the fruit. So he, this, this is the real problem. Lack of fruit isn't a leaf problem. It's a root problem. I'll say it again. Lack of fruit isn't, it's not a leaf problem or a branch problem. It's a root problem. If your tree has a root problem, you're not going to fix it by pruning a few leaves off it, right? If there's a tree and it's got dirty, disgusting, corrupt roots at the bottom, trimming a few branches or leaves isn't going to cut it. It's not going to fix the tree. You can't fix an internal, uh, internal problem with an external solution. Hmm. If your life has a heart problem, you can't fix it with an image solution. If your heart's broken, you can't fix it with a band-aid. You need a heart surgeon. So you might be thinking, Hamish, why, what, what does this tree have anything to do with radical Jesus? Why are we talking about this? Well, when you think of the word radical, you think, you know, extreme. You might think like extreme sports like Tony Hawk or whatever. You might think like someone who's like just really crazy, passionate and just on fire. Or you might think of someone that's like just so controversial and just so countercultural, right? But the root word of radical is a Latin word, which happens to mean root. <laughs> I know, I know. I studied the etymology of this on google.com, right? <laughs> if you search up what radical means, the origin word, where it comes from, means root. So, so when I say that Jesus is radical, when I say radical Jesus, I don't just mean that he's countercultural. I don't just mean that he's super extreme and passionate. I mean that Jesus wants to get to the root of the problem. He's not so concerned in this external surface level stuff. He wants to deal with the root problem of your heart. He wants to deal with the root of the issue. He wants to go deeper with you. And tonight... I want to tell you that your root problem, my root problem, our root problem is sin. Sin. But the issue is that many of us try to dress up this root problem with nice, pretty leaves. We put on nice, pretty green leaves to make us all look good on the outside, but our roots are rotting us from the inside out. And no matter how nice your leaves are, if you've got bad roots, you've still got a problem. It doesn't matter how, how many good things you try and do in your life, if you've still got bad roots, you've got a problem. No, 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 it doesn't matter if you fill your whole tree. Your tree is your life. Like, 
follow with me with the metaphor here. It doesn't matter if you fill your whole tree with pretty beautiful leaves. If your roots suck, if your roots are sin, then your life has a problem. The other day I learned something about bread. I love bread. <laughs> I didn't learn that. I already knew that. <laughs> but I learned something else about bread. I, you know when you leave bread a little too long and it gets that green, fluffy, disgusting mold on it? And it's actually like furry. Like the only furry things should be like animals, you know, like, like dogs, like nice, fluffy. Like I'd much rather a puppy on my bread than mold on my bread. But I mean, like besides the point. But you know when... You know when a slice of bread, you, you, you get it out, you put it in the toaster, you think it's all good, and you're just about to spread your Vegemite on it, and you see that green mold on it. And you have the temptation to just cut off the corner that has the mold on it, or just eat around it, right? Now, I, I used to think that this was fine, but I, I saw a video on my recommended uh, feed on YouTube came up, and it told me that, that you can't actually do that. It, don't just cut off the moldy bit, because the, the kind of mold that grows on bread, it has microscopic like invisible to the naked eye, microscopic roots that actually infiltrate the whole loaf of bread. So not even just that slice, but the whole loaf is contaminated by the mold. Some of us are a little bit moldy tonight. Some of us are a bit moldy. See, it doesn't matter if most of your life is good. Hear me out. If you got a little bit of mold in your life, if you got a little bit of sin in your life, the whole life is tainted. The whole loaf is tainted. The whole thing. You, you can't just cut out that one little thing. You need to deal with the root issue because the roots run deep. The roots run deep. Now, I don't want to leave you in um, despair, but bear with me for a few more verses just to hone in on that point. Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. So everyone sinned. Romans 3.10, no one is righteous. That means no one is good. Not even one. Not even one. I just turned my mic off for some reason. <laughs> I'm used to doing that when I'm worship leading because when you put your mic down, um, it, it gets feedback in the, in the, in the uh, whatever. What, I'm preaching. Okay. <laughs> okay. Guys, help me out. Help me out. I need some support right now. So Romans 3.10, it says no one is righteous. No one is good. Not even one person. Not even the goodest of the good. The goody two-shoes, the people that could do no wrong. Not even Mother Teresa was righteous, right? Not even Isaac Tang is righteous. I, I know it's hard to believe, but not even my wife. I mean, she's perfect. She's, she's beautiful. But I mean, there's probably some flaw in there somewhere. I'm still yet to find it. <laughs> Romans 3.23. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All of us. All, I, I'm telling you this to tell you that... All of us have this problem of sin. We all have a tree, our life, that is built on a root, which is sin. And we can't escape it. So after Jesus curses this tree, after he yells at this tree and gets mad at the tree and curses it, him and his crew, his disciples, his posse, his mates, they go into Jerusalem and they head into the temple. And we're going to pick up the story in Mark 11, verse 15. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called the house of prayer 
for all the nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. We're going to read it in John as well. John 2 verse 14. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip. Like, did you expect to hear that phrase in tonight's message? Jesus made a whip from some ropes and he chased them all out of the temple. Can you imagine that? Jesus, this prim and proper guy, that he's meant to love the whole world. He's meant to love everyone. He made a whip out of rope and he starts cracking it at people and chasing them out of the church. He's like, get out of here. What are you doing? He flips tables over. What, uh, he drove out the sheep and cattle. He scattered the money, changes coins over the floor. He turned over the tables, right? How the tables have turned, right? Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. That's radical, right? Radical Jesus. Now, why did Jesus get mad at these people? I asked myself the same question. Why is he getting angry at these people? Well, he's angry at two main groups of people. Number one, he's angry at the money changers. And number two, he's angry at the dove sellers. And let me tell you why. The dove sellers, they were selling doves and other animals so that people could offer animal sacrifices to God, right? Today, we just praise Jesus by living our lives to glorify Him, right? But back in the day, you used to have to bring an animal to the temple to sacrifice it, to kill it, to honour God, to bring glory to Him, to worship Him. It was how the people had relationship with God, right? And so they would come to the temple and some of them didn't have uh, the resources to bring their cattle from home. And so they would rock up to the temple and they would buy animals outside the temple walls to sacrifice in the temple. And the doves were not the normal animal sacrifice. The normal animal sacrifice was like a lamb or a goat. The doves were reserved for poor people who couldn't afford anything more expensive. But the issue that Jesus had with the dove sellers was not that they were selling doves because that was a useful thing. People needed to buy doves. His problem was that they were ripping off poor people by selling doves at a marked up price. They weren't selling it at cost price or I mean, cost price would be ripping themselves off, but you know, you expect them to sell it for a little bit of a profit, but they were selling it at just a a gross, really large amount. They were ripping people off and they were stopping people from coming into God's presence to repent and to worship Him. And Jesus was also mad with the money changers. The money changers, they were doing the same thing. People were coming from far and wide, from other countries to worship God at the temple. And they had different foreign currency. And to buy the doves and to buy the goats and to buy the lambs, they had to exchange their local currency for the Jerusalem currency. But the money changers were exchanging the money at a high exchange rate. So what was worth $10 back at home in Jerusalem was worth five. And so they were coming to the money changers, getting ripped off. They were going to the the dove sellers, getting totally ripped off. And the priests had allowed this to happen. They'd allowed, what was a place that was meant to be a place of worship, like tonight, had become a place that was used for profit and was actually stopping people from entering into God's presence. They were on the outside, the external. They wanted to get on the inside, the internal. But there was a barrier. There there was a barrier to entry. I got a question for you tonight. How many things are we putting up on the surface? that stop us from going deeper? How many barriers to entry are you putting up in your life that stops you from entering into God's presence? 
How many things in your life, surface level, external things, are you putting up that stops you from going deeper into God's presence, from having a relationship with Him to getting into more intimate relationship with Him? Instead of dealing with the sin on the inside, we just we make the problem about some sort of external factor. Well, my life sucks, or, or I have this problem because of the family I was raised in, because of uh, external circumstances. My school friends, they led me astray. The environment I brought up, was brought up in was toxic, and, that's, and therefore, because of that, that's who I am today. But let me tell you, no one else is responsible for your sin but yourself. Because if, if you left your family, if you ditched them and ran away, your sin would still be the root of your life. Those friends that are a bad influence on you, if you got rid of them and hung out with a different crew, you'd still have sin in your life. If you changed your scenery, if you moved out of camera to get away from this, like a lot of teenagers do when they finish high school, right? Their sin follows them. If it's the root of your life, it's still gonna be there. You could even change the way you talk. You could cut out swearing, but sin would still be there. You could change your attitude. Maybe you got a bad attitude and maybe you start acting more gracious like Jesus. But here's, here's, here's the thing. If sin is still the root of your life, then you got a problem still. You could even change your mindset, but sin would still follow you. So what's the solution? If nothing you can change externally will ever fix the root of sin, what can you do? If nothing that you can change on the external will ever change this root problem of sin, then what could you do? You need to change the internal. This, your heart, your soul. You need to change the internal. It's not the surface level things that need changing. It's the heart. It's the soul. It's this deep root problem that needs fixing. Jesus doesn't want to minimally change your life. He doesn't want to just change parts of your life. He doesn't just want to change one aspect of your life. Can I get the whole band up with me? He doesn't just want to change, you know, like the surface level things. Jesus came to the earth to die for you and to be raised to life on the third day, not to minimally change you, but to radically transform your life from the roots up, from the inside out. He doesn't want you to come to youth every week and stay the same. He doesn't want you to read your Bible every day and stay the same. He wants you to be changed. Come on. Come on. Somebody give God glory right now. Somebody give God glory. Mark 11, 20. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree Jesus had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. I'll say it again because I don't think you were hearing. As they passed by the fig tree, they noticed that it had withered from the roots up. From the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and he exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, look, teacher. The fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Now this sounds like a depressing thing to finish my message. <laughs> Jesus yelled at a tree and it died. 
Pastor Hamish, that's not very encouraging. Well, let me tell you, it is. It, it is. The good news is that Jesus didn't try and fix the tree by just pruning some of the leaves on the outside. The good news is that Jesus, at, at His command, at His word, the bad roots withered up and died. The bad root of sin withered up and died. When you come to Jesus, young people, He deals with your root problem of sin. And in His name, the root of evil, the root of sin, the root of wickedness that has a control of your life, it withers up and dies in Jesus' name. It has no power over you. Sin has no power over you. The grave has no power over you. It has no hold on you. The devil has no claim on you. Jesus, at His Word, sin withers up and dies in your life. It withers up and it dies. Your old root of sin is dead. It's gone away, done and dusted. See you later. Sayonara, adios, amigos. Never to be seen again. And now because of Jesus, that root is replaced. He doesn't just take the root out of sin and then leave nothing, right? He actually roots you in His righteousness. You're not rooted in sin anymore. You don't have sinful roots. You are now rooted in God. Jesus is your foundation. Jesus becomes a foundation you can build your life on. You you don't have to build your life on a root of wickedness. You don't have to build your life on, on sin. You get to build your life on Jesus. Amen? I'm going to give an opportunity tonight for a couple of different people. One, the person that maybe a while ago decided to replace that root of sin with a root found in Jesus. Maybe you made a decision. Let me put it plainly. You made a decision in the past, whether it be at church, at youth, or even at home in your bedroom to say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want you to fix this problem of sin in my life. I don't want to play kiddie pool Christianity, just playing with the leaves and the branches on the surface. I want you to deal with the problem in my heart and I want to follow you, Jesus. Maybe you made that decision in the past. But since you made that decision, you've let those microscopic roots of sin creep back in. Just like the moldy bread. You've let sin infiltrate your life and your heart again. I want to pray for you. If you want to recommit your life to Jesus, if that's you, I want to pray for you in a second. Think about that. Is that you? Is that me? And the second group of people I want to pray for tonight is the group of people that didn't even realize that sin was a problem in their life. Wait a second. You're telling me I've got sin in my life? You're telling me I need Jesus? If that's you and you've never heard this message before and you want to respond to Jesus, you're thinking, Flip, I want Jesus. This guy sounds good. I want to try whatever a relationship with him looks like. I want to pursue Jesus. Two groups of people people who want to follow Jesus for the first time or people who used to but want to make that decision again. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. If you heard me describe those two categories and you think, yeah, I'm one of those people, on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. Putting your hand up is you declaring to Jesus, hey, I want to follow you. I want you to deal with my problem of sin 
And I choose, I don't choose the root of sin, I choose you, Jesus. On the count of three, if that's you, shoot your hand up and we'll pray for you. One, two, three. His hand's going up all over here. No one else is looking around, just some of the leaders. No one else is looking around. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put your hands down. I'm going to say a prayer. Repeat it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me, God. Thank you for dealing with my problem of sin. I believe that Jesus died on a cross and was raised to life to give me life and deal with my sin. Tonight I choose to follow you, God, for the rest of my days. I'm not turning back. I'm not looking back to my sin. I choose you, Jesus. And everybody said, really quietly. Amen. Amen. Hey, put your hands together. There was a whole bunch of people that made a decision tonight. Thanks for tuning in to the Burn Youth Podcast. To stay in the loop, follow us on Instagram at Burn Youth. See you next time.